Okay, let's try this again. There have been issues with this file on the uh, Spotify platform, and so we're going to try re-uploading it again and seeing how it goes. So uh, fingers crossed that it'll work this time. Hey, I love therapy, and in fact, I've been going to therapy since I was around six years old. Though I talk about therapy a lot and may interview some therapists on the show on occasion, nothing that is said in this podcast should be considered a replacement for therapy. If you are struggling, I urge you to please seek guidance from a therapist because you are absolutely worth it. sex, and self-love. I am your host, Rachel Dalton. I hope everybody is doing well, hanging in there. Um, my life is a lot right now. Uh, June is just going to be a fucking sprint for me. Just things happening on all fronts in my life, and I just uh, am having to take it one thing at a time. It's really overwhelming, um, but uh, I just got to keep taking one step forward, one step forward, and then, you know, June's already halfway over, so it'll be at the end soon, and then in July, I rest. (laughs) Um, But yes, with hard work also comes rewards, and some of the hard work that I have been up to over the last couple months has been um, making connections with other podcasters and appearing on other podcasts. And uh, today, as I record this, my episode with the Better Yourself podcast is out. Um, We have a conversation about men and women and uh, sex and desire. And we explore the question, uh, do men need sex to feel loved and do women need to feel loved in order to have sex? Uh, Obviously a huge generalization um, because everybody is different, Uh, but it's funny because it's actually similar to the conversation that I had with my guest in today's interview. Um, This idea, this old adage that women need to be relaxed in order to have sex and men need sex in order to relax. And we talked about the idea that You know, there are these generalizations out there, but there's some truth to them. And these generalizations are out there in large part because of the way that we're socialized. Uh, So that was kind of interesting to think about in terms of the podcast that I guested on and the conversation um, today, how how generalizations work. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and put that in the episode notes. Check that out, the Better Yourself podcast. It was really a great conversation, and um, you may be seeing more of that particular host on this show in the near future. I have been doing a lot of exploring. Um, I find, you know, I was thinking today that sometimes this podcast the themes that I'm exploring kind of go along with what is happening in my life. And uh, you're, you're going to see in the next few uh, months that I have a similar conversation or a similar thing gets brought up with my guests, which is um, this idea that female orgasms, are orgasms partnered versus solo different? And what kind of different orgasms are there? partnered versus solo, clitoral versus penetrative, like lots of different combinations of the two. There are tons of different types of orgasms. Like how does the intensity, how do they differ? Like all of those questions. Um, You know, I, I talked about this on Reddit, actually. I 
made a post just wanting to get some information about people's experiences. And I wanted to know if I was weird for the way that I worked. Uh, Spoiler alert, I am not. But it's been really interesting to explore that topic and understand that how different really everyone truly is. It's it's miraculous, actually. I mean, we really are all little snowflakes, special snowflakes and uh, fingerprints, all very unique in the way that we operate sexually. Uh, so this has led me to do even more research about uh, female pleasure and orgasms. Um, and I found an article, and it's funny because <laughs> this article is uh, on Psychpost. And I'll, again, put in the episode notes, but the title is Growth Beliefs About Sexual Satisfaction May Help Couples Navigating Women's Low Sexual Desire, study finds. Uh, The study that they're talking about in this article is actually from a journal that I used to work on at one of my old jobs, uh, the Journal of Sex Research. So that's kind of full circle moment there. I've been, I've been uh, in Philly for a decade, and this is something that I worked on a decade ago. So, um, the world is small. But uh, I definitely recommend checking it out, checking out the article and checking out the um, study if you can. Basically, the more open-minded that you are and dedicated to working sexually the same way that you would in a relationship or a friendship or any type of relationship, the more dedicated you are to working and the more of a growth mindset that you have the better your sexual satisfaction is going to be because it never feels like the end. There's always more to explore. And that's something that um, is another theme that's kind of being weaved through the interviews that I'm conducting right now, too. This idea that pleasure is a buffet and there are so many different ways that you can experience pleasure and it never ends. There, it's It's so amazing that there are so many different body parts and so many different studies and tools and I don't know. It's all just kind of exciting. Um, so there's no, you know, need to get bored. Having this growth mindset, being wanting to try new things, wanting to study these things, wanting to just practice with your partner. These are all things that stimulate, pardon the pun, um, your sexual life, both literally and mentally, um, and maybe emotionally. Who knows? Uh, so yeah, I will definitely link that in the episode notes. It's worth checking out for sure. Um, one other thing that I thought that I'd share, it's something that gave me a good laugh, is a TED Talk that, um, I found called 10 Things You Didn't Know About Orgasm. Uh, And it's by someone, the speaker is Mary Roach. She is really funny. I love her sense of humor about the whole thing. Uh, maybe someday, hey, like hashtag goals, maybe I'll have her on the show one day. If I get to that point, fingers crossed. Um, But it really is such an incredible topic. There are 10 different facts and it ranges from animal sex to sex. Like there have been there have been studies that show that infants masturbate in the womb. Um, Yeah, (laughs) you just have to check it out. It's funny and it's informative and you will definitely learn a lot more than you maybe wanted to know. But that's the fun of living, right? Always learning. All right. So I think that brings me up to date with all of the important things that I wanted to cover in the intro today. Oh, um, I do want to mention that, again, I mentioned this in the last episode, but the email 
uh, for the podcast has been changed. It is winedine69pod at gmail.com. So that's where you can find me. Uh, call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Um, I think I just showed my age. Just going to leave that there. All right. So today I talk with Kristen. And we talk about authentic sexuality. We talk about age gap relationships. We talk about sacred sexuality. We talk about LGBTQ plus um, sexuality and how to be supportive. We get into politics a little bit. It's it's a complete buffet. And I mean, they have so much good information and it's such a good conversation that we have. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, with that, I'm going to, I mean, you know the drill, commercial break, and then please enjoy my conversation with Kristen O'Quinn. So CBD is great, right? Sex is great, right? Okay, so what happens when you put the two of them together? What you get is a honeypot CBD-infused personal lubricant. Created by a couple who is wonderfully in love, Dennis and Jesse, honeypot is the perfect lube to level up your sex life. They also have an intimate romantic massage oil to get you revved up and started called Romantic Escapades. You're definitely going to want to try these products. This wonderful couple put a ton of work into them. And if you want to learn more about them and their story, you can go ahead and visit that episode. Episode 59. Wouldn't it be great if it were 69? It really would have been. Oh, well. Anyway, give Honeypot a try. Give Romantic Escapades a try. And let me know what you think. You can go and learn more about them at fantasticescapades.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. I am here with my guest today, Kristen O'Gwin. Kristen, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. How are you? I am good. I'm hanging in there. Um, but I, I just got a sudden burst of energy earlier today when I remembered that I have a recording session. I always um, feel a little bit better after I record. So hmm. um, nice. well, let's get, let's get kind of started with you telling the listeners a little bit about you and what you do. Okay. Yeah, my name is Kristen, Kristen O'Gwen, and um, I'm a sexuality uh, educator, a sacred sexuality teacher, and a sexual empowerment coach. So, um, you know, it is my passion and my calling to support people in the sexual realm and all that that encompasses. So, of course, intimacy, relationships, communication, and really it ends up being all sorts of life stuff because it's all very related. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so one of the things that um, – what does what does the sexual empowerment component look like in comparison to the uh, sacred sexuality? How do they you know, kind of mm. intermingle and, and mm. what does that look like? Well, um, tons of overlap, but, um, you know, a sacred sexuality, not everyone is spiritual. Not everyone is interested in, um, spirit combining spirituality and sexuality, or if they are, 
um, it might be a like more of a religious lens that they're looking through or things like that. Um, so, you know, it's all to help empower people, but the sacred part might include things like meditation or uh, mindfulness or visualization or, and, and actually even in my work with non-spiritual clients or students, um, I still end up doing a lot of that, but you know, um, with sacred sexuality, there's a lot more overt conversation about divinity and things like that. Whereas, you know, some of my clients, you know, they might be atheist or just not interested in, um, in more of a divine lens. And so, um, but it's still so powerful to include things like meditation and mindfulness and breath work. And I also end up introducing a lot of my clients who come to me as a coach and not through the lens of a sacred sexuality teacher. I I introduce them to a lot of Mm. these tools and it's very exciting and it just, you know, they, it, it carries on for the rest of their lives, you know, so definitely a lot of overlap. It sounds like it. And, you know, it's also, I mean, I might make the argument uh, that sex is, oh, maybe not all the time or for everybody, but sex like is inherently spiritual. Mm. Um, I, I mean, there's just, it's, it's life. It literally is what creates life. Um, and there's just, there is something really, really powerful about that. There, I, I know for me that like whenever I have sex, I feel remarkably present. And mm. for somebody whose brain, you know, goes, and I know just the type of world that we live in, everybody's going, 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 being able to take that time to really focus in and like let your body guide you. I can see it just yes. having a really, really central part to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, is that how like meditation plays into that? Like is, what – I mean, and I know, you know, there are different types of things that are out there, right? You know, there's sacred sexuality. There, um, there, there is Tantra, which, you know, I've heard mixed things about from different mm-hmm. people. Um, you know, but I mean, breath is a really big part of, of it, right? I mean, is that what mm-hmm. helps lead to that feeling of being present? Oh, sure. Absolutely meditation, breath, those definitely help um, lead to that deep sense of presence. Um, But I do want to just respond to something you said. You know, it is so beautiful how sacred and spiritual sex is. Um, But also, I want to just stay away from um, a lot of folks in the sacred sexuality world or what people call the Tantra world, which may or may not actually be Tantra, um, kind of put spiritual sex on a pedestal. And I also just want to really honor and celebrate, you know, a good quickie or, you know, just like some raunchy, just have some fun in the bushes or something, you know, Um, I feel like, and even that can be spiritual, but also I just really want to embrace all of, of sexuality and, um, just maybe come from a little bit of a different place than a lot of sacred sexuality teachers where it's like there's there's a hierarchy because for me there's like not not a hierarchy it's all 
It's all no. valid. It's beautiful. Yeah. Sex is sex. And I mean, sometimes you do just want something, you know, di- dirty, like straight up, mm-hmm. you know, dirty. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't need you don't need to feel connected to the earth. Right. Um, right. But sure. I don't yes. know. Sometimes for me when I'm at my my dirtiest, that's when I do feel the most connected. Oh interesting yeah. how that happens, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, talk to me a little bit about the relationship between like the body, the brain, and the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know that a lot of people those are like the three big components of self, at least, you know, in my, in my brain, (laughs) it's brain, body, heart. And whenever I'm trying to make a decision, if those three things align, I know that it's like definitely the right decision. Um, Mm, Beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Like it's just kind of, if, if one of those things feels a little bit off, I know that I need to like reframe something or maybe like, you know, that might not be the right thing for me. Um, so that's kind of always been my my goalpost, my guide. If are, are my brain, body, and heart in alignment, mm-hmm. and and if not, then um, I need to examine that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like sex, how does that play into this idea of of sacred sexuality? Mm. Well, definitely bringing consciousness to all these different aspects and what's going on, and being present with these different parts of the self. Um, you know, so for example, um, uh, the brain and also, uh, you know, I'm curious if you mean more specifically like the physical brain and, or the mind, um, there's a lot of overlap there too. (laughs) There is. It's so, the older I get it, the more I just realize everything is so much more nuanced than I thought it was (laughs) when I was a kid. But yeah, like, uh, I guess I do mean like the, the mind, like, you know, the Mm -hmm, mind mm -hmm. always racing, your, your Mm -hmm. mind can lie to you, you know, with anxiety and and all those things. Absolutely. You know, one of the biggest obstacles to a lot of women and other people who've been socialized as female in our society to great sex is being stuck in their heads and not having a connection to their bodies during sex, not knowing what they want or what they like or what they don't want. And, you know, um, when we can let the body and the mind communicate more fluidly, then that uh, that focus can come down into the body and then the, the, the body can help inform the mind about, you know, what the person wants, doesn't want, etc. And even just like going to the physical brain, you know, there are so many chemicals that are happening with sex, with infatuation, you know, and if we can be more conscious about what's going on physiologically with these very powerful and sometimes very intense chemicals, then, you know, just bringing consciousness to what's going on can help us for example, in decision-making or, you know, just knowing what's right for us, things like that. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's exactly how, how my brain thinks when it comes to that. And uh, that alignment when you are having sex, what, what advice do you have for people when they're having a hard time getting mm. all of those things kind of lined up? Yeah. So, you know, Dropping into the body and letting the body take over um, a little bit more than the brain 
um, is especially good for, for women. Mm -hmm. Um, now sometimes we do need the mind the brain to, to help in our processes, our sexual experiences, um, certainly making decisions or, you know, even for fun, like with fantasies and such, but, um, uh, just anyone, and it's not just women, lots of people, especially in our modern lifestyle are stuck in their heads. So, you know, one easy way that is always available to people is to bring your focus to your breath and just start tuning into the breath going in and out of your body. Um, another pretty simple thing to do in the moment um, to get more into the body is to notice points of contact between yourself mm. and the other person. Or, you know, if you're by yourself between your fingertips and, you know, whatever body parts you're touching. Um, I'm really a fan of mindful touch where your presence is involved in every little tiny bit of touch that happens. And um, just putting your focus on your breath, the physical sensations you're feeling in your body, the points of contact where your body is touching someone else's body or one part of your body is touching another part of your body, just dropping in in that way can be so helpful. Yeah, I think sometimes oh, just get <laughs> so, 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 so stuck in the head. And mm -hmm. I, I love that you mentioned, you know, just completely being present in the body and letting go. I feel like that doesn't happen very frequently to me at least, mm -hmm. but you know, when it does, I like feel like a, a sex goddess. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I'm just like, you know, yeah. it, it can be a practice. Um, mm -hmm. and just like having that intention to over time get better and better at quieting the mind. Also, I love to recommend to folks to relax before sex Especially, you know, there's a saying, um, women have to relax to have sex, men have to have sex to relax, and, <laughs> you know, a huge generalization, but also some truth to it. And I think a lot of that is just about how we've been socialized and, and conditioned. I don't, I don't know that's an inherent thing, but, you know, um, just taking and and I and I've worked with men too who are just extremely intelligent, extremely analytical and just helping them to take 20 minutes to relax before sex or helping a lot of women just take 20 minutes, relax your body. You know, um, mutual massage can be really good for that. Hey, let's take 15 minutes and massage each other or oh, heck yes. um, yeah. you know like <laughs> a warm bath or um, actually just moving, the, you know, putting on some music, gyrating the hips, get those hips loosened up, you know, or if you like yoga, meditation, it, it can just be such a profoundly different experience. If you take, you know, if you need more getting into your body, then taking that time to relax for a little bit before your sexual can, can help that happen. Absolutely. And I mean, I think... Foreplay is actually a broader term than a lot of people think it is, right? Because what you're yes. talking about is a, is a form of foreplay. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And I think maybe a lot of people might not understand that because they think of foreplay as maybe you know, going down on somebody or you know, making out. And yet those are valid forms of foreplay as well. But mm 
I mean, you've heard the phrase, I imagine, uh, that the woman's most important sexual organ is her brain. Right. Sure. Yeah. And um, I think that that, what you're talking about are tactics to potentially slow down the brain a little bit so that it's in a better place to be able to have better sex, really. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And you work, I mean, so, you know, we talked a little about your experience, you work with women, um, and you also work with men. Um, and I guess we're kind of getting into that ter- territory a little bit. Uh, how does that work with men work? I mean, how do you approach it? Is it you just talked a little bit about, you know, taking this time to relax? I mean, mm-hmm. are there certain things that you have to teach men about women? And obviously, these are huge generalizations that we're using, well, right? Like, we can speak to some degree in generalizations because we've all received programming around sex that is hugely generalizing. It really focuses on, you know, heterosexual sexuality and relationships and, you know, people who are socialized as male get some of the, you know, over and over and over again, some of the same messaging that is different from a lot of the messaging that people get who are socialized as female. So, um, you know, there are these sexual scripts that so often people are just playing out like a script for a movie. They're just kind of going through, you know, and it's the same over and over again, because that's what we've been taught sex is. So the truth of the matter is, you know, everyone has their own authentic sexuality and it varies so much from person to person. And you can't generalize authentic sexuality, but you can, there is a lot of, you know, just, there are a lot of repeat common issues that, you know, men have or that women have based on the messaging that we've all gotten. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely fair and a good thing to point out. And that's good. I mean, I always am like, I don't want to speak in generalizations, but you're 1000% right that the reason that's the reasons that those generalizations are there are because of uh, societal conditioning. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, what does uh, you know? What does that look like for when you are working with male clients? Then, well, so um, one of the things I love doing with men is supporting them in knowing how to be better lovers to women. Love and, that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, and I'll just I'll just tell you, uh, the first step to being a better lover to anyone is to have a a healthy, depthful connection with yourself and your own sexuality and your own body. So that's where I start. Um, And then, but, but also, you know, it's just there, it's just so helpful for men when they can get information and knowledge. And it's like, there's so much pressure on men to already be these amazing lovers and already know what they're doing. And so they're, and they're not talking to each other. Women talk to each other mm-hmm. a lot more about sex. Yes. Men don't really have those sorts of spaces. I try to create spaces where men can talk to each other. You know, I've left rooms and been like, okay, you guys talk, you know, it's like, but it's this, this rough, uh, locker room talk is kind of the best that they get. And mm-hmm. so, you know, men and, and some men feel too, you know, prideful to seek support. But those men who do come to me over and over again, they're the best lovers. They're already better lovers a lot of times than the average person because they are willing to be vulnerable. 
and ask for support. And we need to give men permission and encouragement to do that more often. Um, but, you know, definitely everything I'll, you know, share with them everything from connecting with themselves to, um, you know, anatomy, you know, teaching them the real size of the clitoris, for example. Oh my gosh. Yes. It's huge. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so. And like how you can use that and, you know, just giving them ideas. And, but a lot of it too is like helping people to connect to their authentic sexuality and their body. So yes, I will share, you know, some techniques and, and logistical information and, and sacred knowledge and things like that, but also helping them to just connect with their own body's wisdom and their authentic sexuality. And that can help guide them to be a better lover, you know, in so many ways. Yeah. And, you know, it's over the last, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dating a new partner um, for the last six months and it really is – he's just different than my past ones. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he is way more – emotionally intelligent. Um, mm. And it is astounding to see how that translates, right? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, uh -huh. <laughs> it, it translates to the bedroom really, 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 really well. Yes. Um, yes. So I, I, I just, I want that for, mm. for women's sake, but also for men's sake, because I've been thinking just a lot more about like the pressure that we put on men mm. um, because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there right now and, and rightfully so, right? Rightfully so. There's a lot of stuff out there about how um, there's the orgasm gap and how women have been, you know, it's really easy for men to have orgasms just yeah. physically, again, generalization. And it's a lot harder for women, less than 25% of women come from penetration alone. Yes. Um, and so there, there is a lot of discussion about the orgasm gap, but there is, and you know, I ran an episode a, a number of weeks ago where I talked with a guest about a lot of pressure that men feel to perform. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay. First of all, let's just all take the word perform out of our sexual right. vocabulary. There yeah. is so much pressure on men around this. And, you know, um, also related as, you know, the size of their penis and so much mm -hmm. self-judgment or, you know, and, and just, um, letting men off the hook for also, um, giving women orgasms because here's the yes. thing. Men do not give women orgasms. A woman's own body gives her an orgasm. Now, men can assist and that is a very special and important role <laughs> but you know it's actually the woman's orgasm and it's it's healthier if she feels responsibility for her own orgasm mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know it's healthier for both people and it's just more accurate you know and so men don't have to try to quote make women come they don't have to stay erect all the time. They don't have to have uh, any particular size of penis. And mm -hmm. yeah, just like letting them off the hook in all these ways so that, you know, everybody's having better sexual experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, it's been, I've been very, very focused on, on, you know, 
putting women's pleasure at the forefront because it's been so neglected for such a yes. long time. But but we we cannot forget about the the pressures that that men experience as well. So mm-hmm. um, I'm really glad that you're you know doing that work to bring more attention to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing that you do, and you know we've talked very much thus far in the binary of men and women, mm-hmm. um, but you also support individuals who are part of the LGBTQ plus community. Yes. Um, and work with people surrounding ethical non-monogamy. So, uh, you know, we touched on on the binary, but I do not want to neglect the um, every pe- the people outside of the binary. So mm-hmm. talk to me a little bit about your work there. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, for all of my uh, peeps who are listening who are LGBTQ+, just want to say I am also, I'm queer, and I'm also agender slash non-binary. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited actually that we have all, all this language nowadays um, and a lot more support for folks who are outside of the sexual boxes nowadays. Um, you know, one thing that uh, comes to me is parents of um, trans teenagers who are about 17 or 18, um, that's a that's a newer thing in our society. Like we're, we're going through some sort of gender revolution here. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so a lot of times, generally it's parents who understand that, you know, they feel called to support their kid, but it's also might be hard for them to understand um, and or completely accept or know how to work with, things like that. So... Um, I do that. Um, I've done a little bit of work uh, working with at a medical school. Um, actually, when I was in Philly for grad school, um, I worked at uh, Philadelphia Co- College of Osteopathic Medicine. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And I worked with um, some of the students and the faculty and staff. Um, I also worked at um, University of Pennsylvania, um, especially with the Wharton Business School. And um, worked with folks on uh, just how to better support students or patients or staff um, who are LGBTQ+. I love doing that kind of work. I love helping folks who care um, know how to better support uh, LGBTQ+, folks. Um, And also just uh, sharing information with people from this lens, you know, it, it just can be so tiring and taxing um, to explain all the time and try to educate people all, all the time. And I have, um, you know, I'm like, I appear pretty hetero to people, I've, you know, mm-hmm. I, um, and so um, I haven't experienced a lot of oppression for being queer the way that so many other folks have. And yeah. also, um, same, uh, you know, when it comes to my gender identity, I, I don't appear in a way that people even really know a lot of the time. So for someone like myself who doesn't experience a lot of discrimination and oppression, um, I want to be a voice, you know, just helping others to better just understand and learn about these things. Right. Yeah. It's almost like you can... Um... I'm trying to be like delicate with my language here, but like it's almost like you can like be more of a liaison because you have that understanding 
Yes. But people are less judgmental, which is shitty, right? Like it's shitty yes. that there's judgment at all. Mm-hmm. But because of, you know, the fact that your appearances might not match the stereotype, mm-hmm. um, it means that you're in a position to be able to do that, which I mean yeah. is really – we've come so far with a lot of <clears throat> areas. I feel like, you know, being being gay, being lesbian um, are way more – acceptable i guess mm-hmm. it's yeah. even weird to think that you know gay marriage was just legalized like less than a decade ago it's wild True. to me yes but but the the focus has definitely shifted right it's almost like yeah. and you know not yeah. to get political but like human rights are political so mm-hmm. um you know it's almost like the the right has shifted their attention from okay well we lost the we lost the battle against you know gay marriage so we're going to you know turn our eye of sauron onto um trans rights absolutely absolutely and you know when i came out in the 90s as queer at the time i said bisexual cuz you were either straight gay or bisexual right. <laughs> right and that was like the best one that i had at the time sure <laughs> but, sure uh, um you know we the that was right around when Matthew Shepard was murdered. You know, it oh, was wow, yeah. It was a lot more hardcore, a lot more dangerous, um, and a lot more overt oppression and discrimination against gay folks. And at the time, we didn't even really have hardly any trans folks that were very out at all. You mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and and we did not have a lot of the language that we have now about gender identity, which is so exciting. But, you know, it's interesting because when I came out in the 90s, now with trans teenagers, I'm hearing um, exactly the same sentiments that people said about gay people back then. And it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. here we go again. A lot of the same comments and attitudes and, you know, and yeah. But I feel like, yes, we have absolutely been getting better and better the past several decades as far as queer folks and you know we I'm sure that will happen with folks who are also outside the gender boxes um not fast enough but you know I know we're gonna get there at some point right yeah I love that I love that faith and I love too that you are you know it's great I mean you have you have these different coaching services for women's pleasure you have different coaching services for men's pleasure and helping men to understand women a little bit better. And, you know, you have services for for people who are not part of that binary. Um, so I really do love that you cover it all and that, you know, it, it seems like your approach to everybody is very individualized. Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's that's the heart of the matter. Like, really, I'll take what you come with and then you know, we'll unpack all that baggage and then we'll get you down to your authentic sexuality. And, um, it's, it's so precious to see these beautiful parts of people that, you know, they oftentimes have to go through, get, get through a lot of shame or guilt or just tons of stuff around, around sexuality. But, you know, just, um, for example, when I have, uh, like someone who is transitioning, um, gender wise, you know, and they just need uh, a cheerleader, maybe someone to give them some practical information, uh, someone to work out all the emotions and, and talk about, you know, the, the coworker or the boss who wants to fire them or whatever. Um, and then we just get to the heart of this person and, 
and it's it's just a beautiful unfolding. Yeah, and I you know I love that authentic sexuality, and I think that you know there are so many umbrellas under that. I mean, it's, uh, spiritual sexuality is you know can be a form of authentic sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, also I, to, to get a little bit personal for a minute, I mean, you yourself, and you can talk about what the, this as openly as you want to, as much or as little detail. Um, you're in an age gap relationship, yes. and you uh, practice have practiced non monogamy for for quite a while. Um, like, how does that play into authentic sexuality, like for you individually or for others who you know may be in similar situations? Mm. Well, um, yeah, you know, as far as the age gap relationship that I'm in, um, I never really thought of me when I would think of that. Um, my partner is 17 years younger than me. And when we met, he was 24 and I was 41 and, um, we met on match. It was, it was his first day of online dating (laughs) ever. And he found me within a a few hours. We've been together for almost five years now. And, um, you know, and he reached out to me. He's like, I see that I'm outside your age range, you know, but I'm an ambitious young man. And I'm just wondering if you'd be willing to give me a chance, you know? (laughs) And, um, you know, and I was still, uh, this is when I um, was off Island for a few years in Philly in grad school, like I mentioned. And so mm-hmm. I was still making new friends and, you know, I was like, sure, that sounds fun. We can go out and do stuff and whatever. So we went on our first date and then he called me the next day and we're chatting and he's like, okay, well, I just want to ask you a question. Um, what are your intentions with me? And I was like, oh, you know, new friend, friend with benefits, you know, and, uh, just and he's like, okay, okay, well that's cool. Well, I just want you to know, I want a relationship with you. And I was like, oh, that is so sweet. But there is <laughs> no way I could even consider that possibility because you're 24, <laughs> you know. But but it's it's you know it's like he is just a very mature person, and his mm-hmm. being, his heart, his soul, his mind matches mine. And, um, you know, just, um, we're so able to be our authentic selves and it's just such a great, beautiful fit. Um, a lot of times I think, oh, the relationship that we actually need or, you know, our sexuality isn't necessarily what we expected. Mm, I think that that's really, really true. Yeah. I think it's very, very true. And it's funny how we like condition ourselves or make these rules for ourselves around what we need or, you know, people have lists for, you know, again, stereotypically women Mm -hmm. have lists for Mm -hmm. what they, what they want in, in a partner. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's good to know what you want, right? Like, but more importantly than having these lists is having a really strong sense of your values. Yes. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that I've been really honing in on the last year of my life is is really getting a sense of what I value in myself and the what I want in the people around me. Mm. And so, you know, if that person doesn't look like what I thought that they were going to look like, it might 
take some time to, you know, work through that. But ultimately, you know, you can't throw something, you know, really good that works and fits away just because it doesn't, you know, look the way that you thought it would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I can, you know, speaking of non-monogamy, um, so I had been, uh, consensually non-monogamous, um, for many, many years. Um, I do feel like that is my natural inclination. Um, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, it's a beautiful part of me and I, but the thing is when you're non-monogamous, the dating pool is way, 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 way smaller because <laughs> you have to, yes. you know, especially if you're looking for a longer term partner. So, mm-hmm. um, so I got to a point in my life where, you know, I, I hadn't, I hadn't been with any partners that I wanted to stay with long term. And I, and I was wanting that. And so I felt like I was to a place in my life where I could be monogamous for a while, um, years, you know, and, um, and I was, you know, considering that to kind of much, much more broaden the dating pool. And also I was so tired of doing it with people who it was their first time with non-monogamy, mm, you yeah. know, initially I loved being in that role. It was very, I loved showing people this whole other world, like just out of the, you know, just there are so many more options than they realized. But then it was like, I mean, for how to do relationships, <laughs> but, right, 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 yes. but then it just got, it just got so tiring. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot do it again with the first timer. So then I was like, well, I feel like I'm to a point where I could do monogamy at least for quite some time. So when I met my p- current partner, he had never heard of ethical or consensual non-monogamy his only experience was with seeing people cheat. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he had a lot of negative, negative connotations about it. And so um, that was my first time in, you know, at least 20 years of being monogamous initially for the first year or two of our relationship. And um, I told him, you know, but at some point I might want to be non-monogamous. So it, you have to know that up front, like, you know, and, um, and over time, and I was just like, you know, if you want to explore, I'll stay monogamous and you just feel free to explore. And um, mm, Okay. That's an yeah. interesting way of approaching it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because um, one thing that people don't realize is that so, so often when someone goes outside of a primary relationship or whatever you want to call it, though, it's primary is not the word for everybody, but once, when somebody goes outside of the relationship, so, so often what they experience is even more love and attraction for their partner. It's like, it just happens all the time. And I wanted my partner to have that experience of like, I'm, you know, you don't need to worry about me going off and becoming more interested in someone else. You know, that can happen or that can happen in monogamous relationships as well. But, you know, I'm actually really excited about commitment and, you know, I've, I've waited a long time to find the right person to share commitment with. And, um, you know, and also you're almost surely going to have this experience of going outside the relationship and then 
just feeling more love and more turn on for me. And that is not at all to um, lessen or, 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 you know, speak any less of um, our experiences with other people or, you know, people outside those main relationships. Sure. Those are very beautiful as well, but it's just not the threat that so many people think it is. And, and of course, with those other relationships, then over time, you know, they also grow in depth and, and bond as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, to say a bit about that. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I, I think I have similar, I, you know, I've done a few podcasts with guests uh, discussing non-monogamy and, and although I don't think it's for me, I have really, really opened my brain more mm. to the idea that like, not for myself, but in general, mm-hmm. um, and, and seeing really how it can work. I think that in my experience and what I've seen on dating apps is basically, again, a generalization, but mm-hmm. men using it as an excuse to <sighs> yeah. just, just it's, it's not done mindfully and it's right. done as an excuse to just be able to fuck whoever they want. Yes, yes. I've also seen situations where men and like a couple, a man has like decided that they want to do it for that reason. And then the woman ends up getting way more sex than he does. And the relationship ends. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I like to call, uh, you may have heard the term polyfuckery. I haven't, but that's really funny. It's not polyamory, right? Amory is about love. Um, (laughs) But, you know, and for myself, I actually don't feel polyamorous specifically. You know, Mm -hmm. um, consensual non-monogamy is such an umbrella term and there are lots of different ways to do it. But yeah, there are so many people who are not doing it well. And a big part of that is just because we don't have role models. We don't have ways, you know, it's, it's a lot of pioneering that's going on. And so, yeah, um, hopefully that's another area where, you know, again, I didn't even know that there were non-monogamous people when I realized myself that I was non-monogamous. It was, it was in the nineties again. And, um, you know, the word polyamory wasn't even coined until like the earlier mid nineties. And so, couple years later, after I realized this about myself, I ran across this word and I was like, oh my gosh, there are other people like this. Like, this is a thing, you know? And so to see where we've come now, where it's just so much more in the mainstream awareness. And, you know, I feel like all these things, we are, we are going to get better, mm-hmm. um, you know? Yeah. It definitely has been good though for me and I, I, you know, hope for listeners and just in the media to hear more about ethical non-monogamy and how it really can be done. Like it, it really can. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's not for everyone. It's And you, people may try it and realize that it's not for them. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it – I think that for a very long time I had a very like judgmental view that it never works – Mm-hmm. It's 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 again one of those things that people use as an excuse to just fuck around, mm-hmm. but it, it it can actually work. There's never a, a relationship where two people want it. These are like beliefs that I had, you know, maybe mm-hmm. up until a few years ago when I really started talking to people on the podcast. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if if my mind can change, can change, then I know that other people's can too. Well, I deeply, deeply appreciate that because. You know, it is a very sensitive topic for so many people. And even if 
you know, I've had plenty of experiences where somebody just knows or finds out that I'm not monogamous, not that I keep it a secret, but also I may not have had a reason to mention it, you know, Right. but then I mention it and, oh my gosh, like I've had a lot of people get mad at me <laughs> and, you know, I have to kind of like talk, you know, explore that with them. Like, I, you know, I'm not forcing you to do anything, you know, right. you, you, you don't, you go, you be monogamous right on, you know, but it's like, it is just such a trigger, like such a trigger for people. And I am sensitive to that. I do, you know, I do uh, want to be sensitive to that, but also it, it can sting, you know, when people are just super like kind of lash out at you because their own triggers. And right. um, again, I, you know, I'm ha- I I do want to hold as much safe space for people to have their sexual triggers as much as possible because letting those things come up is is a great way to to help heal and you know to learn more. Um, but yeah, just like when people are willing to open their mind to the possibility that maybe it's not this horrific thing that you thought it was, I just deeply appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, and it's I mean. <sighs> That's that's the thing about all of these things surrounding sex and relationships, right? And kind of, you know, the the point that we've kind of been circling around today, which is like your relationship, your sexual your sexuality doesn't need to look like anybody else's. Mm-hmm. You know, there mm-hmm. you you can do you can work with yourself, you can work with your partner on how to have a rich, fulfilling sexual life no matter what that looks like for you. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it, it might not work for, you know, your next door neighbor, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really matter. And I think that there's so much shame surrounding this idea that your desires or your relationship or your personality, like all of it needs to look like everybody else's. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to push against that because that's just not the world we live in anymore, nor yeah. should it be. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is so liberating for people to be able to be themselves. And, you know, this area of our humanity, sexuality, it just has a tremendous amount of baggage. And so um, when people liberate themselves sexually, it ripples out into every area of their life. Definitely. And there's just so much, there's so much out there. There the internet is full of, I mean, it's full of a lot of really god awful things, but it also <laughs> is full of so much good information, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's so much to learn. And um, I think that's like just a big thing that um, I'm coming to learn too is, mm. is just keep your, keep your mind open. Yeah. Um, you never es- know. But- especially to yourself. The, mm-hmm. the number of people who come to me so concerned about something about their sexuality, you just think it was the worst thing in the world. And then they tell me what it is and it is super common. It is no big deal. And, you know, it's just, yes, keep an open mind to sexuality in general, how it should look, and also especially towards yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, Kristen, do you have any any um, last words that you want to share? Uh anything that we didn't cover today that you think is important for people to know either about you or uh, the work that you do? Well, definitely. I really want to encourage people to reach out for support because, um, you know, so many folks are going their whole lives 
carrying around burdens sexually and missing out on more deeply connecting with this part of themselves and, and others. And, you know, if it's okay to, to get support, it's really healthy, just like all these other aspects of our humanity that we get support for. And, um, you know, just communication. Like if I could just throw out one thing that I would love to leave people with is say the things you are thinking, <laughs> you know, if, if someone's, you know, uh, sucking on your nipple, you're like, I hate having my nipples messed with. Well, <laughs> it's okay to let them know. You're like, Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm not really into having my nipples messed with, but if you would do that, over here on my neck, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, just yeah. things like that. Communicating. You can communicate your needs and be kind. Yes, yes. And uh, and it's and it's okay and healthy for people to have needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, do you want to take some time to let people know where they can find you, um, where they can, you know, sign on to work with you, keep up with everything that you're doing? Sure. Yes. Um, well, the best place is my website and it's just my name.com. So it's Kristen Ogwin.com. It's K R I S T E N O G is in George U I N is in Nancy and, um, yeah, Kristen Um, this is my calling. This is my passion. I love when people reach out to ask me questions or ask for support. So please do. This is my service. Um, love to hear from you. Yeah. And thank you for everything that you do um, to try to make sure that people are living their most authentic sexual lives. Um, hmm. It's the Lord's work. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> And thank you, listeners, for tuning in today. Uh, definitely be sure to check out Kristen at kristinogwin.com. Keep up with everything that's going on over there. And you have been listening to Wine, Dine, and 69. I am your host, Rachel Dalton, and let's keep talking. Mm-hmm.